never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that really needs to get a handle on its Hot Wheels collection. It's only a dollar a car, they said. Anyway, my name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. <laughs> What's going on? Um, not much, man. How's your week been? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, that opening joke kind of cracked me up because, uh, well, Drew, both you and I, um, within, not recently, but I want to say within the last decade or so, worked at we both worked really similar retail jobs for the same store, but just in different locations. And uh, I remember before I had that job, I never knew how many people collected Hot Wheels. And it was kind of crazy <laughs> to be working at this big department store and realize, like, wait, why are half of my coworkers buying like tons of Hot Wheels all the time? Like, it's kind of a weird thing that nobody talks about, but there's so many people who just and like, like the people you wouldn't expect at all. <laughs> Yeah. And it's always the people you, nobody would expect, but there's a lot of just Hot Wheel collectors out there. And it's pretty awesome, but it's these people are staying hidden in the woodwork. You know, I, I want to see more people with like Hot Wheels T-shirts on and stuff like so that. So <laughs> I have my Hot Wheels niche is the following. I will. So I tend to shop at Jewel for the majority of my groceries. And um, I've had people ask me, like, why don't you shop at Aldi? They're a little cheaper. Well, Right now, they're not. And just, and secondly, um, and secondly, the uh, uh, shopping, Aldi doesn't have a deli. So that's why I, I shop at Jewel because I like going to the deli and getting my lunch meat like freshly sliced and all that stuff. So maybe that makes me snobbish. It's just how I am. Anyway, yeah. um, every time I go to Jewel, the aisle with the cereal at my Jewel, the end cap is Hot Wheels. Okay, nice. Always, right? So I will round the corner heading to pick up my cereal or whatever, and I always stop and take a quick scan. And I, when I say quick scan, it's whatever is in the front. I don't go digging through pegs. If there is a Batmobile or some film memorabilia type of car, I automatically grab it. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> I have so I have multiple DeLoreans from Back to the Future. I have I have a bin of nothing but Batmobiles and my kid saw them and he's like, dude, I'm like, we're not opening. <laughs> <laughs> like I have so many Batmobile Hot Wheels that I just I just grab them. I'm just like I have a Batmobile Hot Wheel collection. So that's like my Hot Wheels niche. But and it's not all the time. It's like you take a look. You're like nothing today. OK. Um, <laughs> so. Nice. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. It makes me uh, it makes me feel like someday you should set up some cool like cityscape where you have just all these 
different movie cars driving around like or, almost like if you could do the town center from uh, back to the future or something like miniaturized right. and then you have right. the batmobile and like the dukes of hazard car and like herbie fully loaded <laughs> driving around or, or, I, stuff or like i could <laughs> or i could do like a little miniature uh back lot tour uh diorama oh yeah um, that's a good call too <laughs> um or set up like a little <laughs> diorama of a car show or something anyway no, I just, I was like, I st- it started with the Batmobiles, and then I saw the DeLorean on the shelf. I was like, oh, pff, grab that. And then about a year later, they had the DeLorean with the hover conversion, and I'm like, oh, grab that. Like, <laughs> nice. You know? Um, so it's not a big collection. It's just, I know that one of these days, I'm going to pass away, and my kid or my kids and or grandkids are going to find this thing and go, we're, we're selling these, or they're going to have a lot of fun. You know, who knows? Um, (laughs) anyway enough about hot wheels because that's clearly what we came here for Um, i mean yes and no (laughs) yeah right (laughs) um so your week's been good yeah it's been short um we're recording a little bit early this week so we are like not a lot has happened (laughs) we are recording a little bit early and that makes news tonight a little light which is honestly going to be kind of a breath of fresh air, not only for you and I, but probably to our listeners. Because this weekend, this coming weekend, is San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, And nice. the mega ton of crap we're going to have to talk about after this weekend is over, it's probably going to be a little bit of time sifting through the dust. Um, yeah. We have a full layout of DC's already said they're going to lay out their full slate of everything coming with a schedule. Marvel's going to do the same, but Marvel's also supposed to give us the actual direction in which we're going. So we're going to have so much to discuss after San Diego Comic-Con's over. Um, and I look forward to it. So yeah. I don't mind news being light tonight, so we'll just roll with it for what it is. <laughs> well, that's really exciting. Um, we're recording early this week because I have a... Uh trip this weekend like i have a mini vacation i'm gonna be out of town but i didn't realize no i wish i i didn't realize that comic-con was this weekend just because we've been planning this trip but now i'm like okay (laughs) so while i'm on this trip i'm gonna have to be glued to twitter the whole time and that's gonna be fun but (laughs) glued to twitter and looking at trailers and like hold on i gotta watch this real fast (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um but yeah really exciting stuff san diego is um I consider it like my Super Bowl every year. Like it's just so exciting and it's all the news and stuff that I care about and I'm excited about. I once had a coworker once um, because I remember when San Diego Comic-Con was going on, I was uh, following a bunch of stuff like that Friday at work. And uh, my coworker was like, is uh, is Comic-Con like your E3? <laughs> And I was like, well, I call it my Super Bowl, but I love that you <laughs> called it my E3. That's amazing. So <laughs> um, so for anyone who didn't get that joke, E3 is a video game <laughs> and Comic-Con is a comic book. And then <laughs> yeah. I feel like they go very hand in hand. Yeah. Um, OK. Uh, so that being said, we got comic book, com- Comic-Con coming and a ton of stuff to discuss and unpack after this weekend is over with. And I have a feeling I do have a feeling that Marvel is going to lay out some stuff because it's Comic-Con, but I do have a feeling Marvel could be a little bit reserved because D23 is always around the corner and they always hold stuff back for the Disney to promote Disney. Um, and that's why I don't I don't know what we're going to get in, in terms of Star Wars or that kind of stuff. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, hopefully it's time for some of the weird, more niche, uh, more niche properties to uh, shine. Since, like you said, 
you've got D23, you've got DC Fandom, you have all these individual uh, conventions, if you will, for all the big movie studios. And maybe it's time for some of those random just out there or maybe even indie products to uh, step it up for Comic-Con. So maybe, but you got to remember that we've been in a pandemic and we haven't, this is back to form, if you will. So they could, that's very true. They could really be rolling out big guns on us. So we'll see what happens. True. true. (laughs) Um, So what are we watching? What are we reading? What do we got? Yeah, so um, speaking of uh, video game conventions, actually, I checked out this movie that was on Prime that I had never heard of. Drew, maybe you knew about this one, but it's this movie called One Up, which is uh, actually Kyle Newman's uh, newest movie. Oh, is that Uh, that out? Yeah, so it's on Prime, apparently. (laughs) That's awesome. How about this? I knew it was out. I I knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, And it was an issue of schedule and release dates and theaters versus street. Like, I didn't know when it was hitting streaming and it it didn't fall off the radar. It was more of a, oh, good, it's out and I can watch it kind of a reaction right now. So, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it's um, it's Kyle Newman. So it's a movie. It's the director from Fanboys. Uh, He didn't write this one, actually, but uh, it's his uh, he's the director. And it's a movie about a. competitive uh esports team like it's about competitive video games yeah. um at the college level and uh it was honestly it was a pretty fun little movie um i do have a couple minor complaints with, which i could get out of the way but my main my major criticism is some of the scenes are very um tropey like there's certain okay. scenes where i was a little bit like i feel like i've seen this movie in another in other movies or i've seen the scene in other movies before like uh they have like an audition one of those like zany audition scenes for people to be on the team and stuff like that and i was like yeah i feel like i've seen this before a couple times (laughs) already you know so it kind of falls into the some of those tropes but uh overall i did think it was a pretty fun movie it's like a cool love letter to video games and uh it's kind of it kind of plays out like um a really good sort of team sports movie, which is kind of uh, interesting that they were able to pull it off with, um, you know, focusing on esports, competitive video games. Like that's a really interesting thing to to uh, pull off. And uh, the movie centers around this fictitious video game called, I think it was called Elder Orb, and it's kind of like this third fictitious person. For, sh- fictitious for now. Anyway, <laughs> that's true. And it kind of it's kind of funny because when the when the game starts, I think it might be the first scene of the movie actually shows a bit of the game, if I remember correctly. But the game starts and it shows this giant orb and it kind of lo- reminded me of the Rocket League ball from that game. when It started. Oh. And I was like, oh, is this going to be a Rocket League sort of game? But it's actually more of a like a third person shooter sort of capture the flag scenario where each team has to destroy the other team's orb. And it has this sort of cool, like fantasy slash uh, sci-fi aesthetic to it that almost reminded me of like, maybe of destiny a little bit mixed with like overwatch almost. It's, it's kind of hard to describe because it's a fictional thing, but that's kind of the vibes I was getting from it. But um, it was one of those things where with, once you get far far enough in the movie, you understand exactly how the game works. They don't have to explain anything to you. They just show it to you and you're like, OK, I get how this is going. And by the end of the movie, there's like a couple scenes that are almost entirely within the game. 
And those yeah. were like some of the funnest parts to watch. I was like, that's yeah. actually pretty cool that they pulled that off, you know? And you're like, why not me? Why can't I play? <laughs> that's true. That's true. I guess you could uh, try to uh, create some sort of um, emulator for it, I guess, if you're right. that advanced. But overall, I thought it was a pretty fun movie. I think you should check it out, Drew. Uh, I, no, I will. Um, yeah. My big question that I have is how... Remember how I said uh, Free Guy was a really, really good representation of gaming culture today okay. um, compared to like, you know, because a lot of times when you do video game movies, it's always these old classic games and there's always a review going, it represents gaming culture so well. And I'm like, no, it really doesn't because gaming culture is <laughs> different. Gaming culture is different. Yeah. Um, how well does this represent the esports gaming culture? So I'm somebody I who like a, I feel like Kyle Newman knows well enough to like yes have, he understands the responsibility to represent stuff like that because of his work on like fanboys for example. So go go ahead. So I am somebody who admittedly isn't super well versed on esports culture. Like I've barely actually watched any esports events and stuff like that. Um, I'm I'm actually like lean a lot more retro when it comes to gaming. Okay. So from what I can tell, it probably does a good job of representing, <laughs> okay. representing that like the, the actual events that they had in the movie, like the esports events seemed to play out pretty realistically and stuff to me, but I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Um, there is a ton of uh, retro game references and, um, they talk about a lot of old school games. So this is a movie that like, yes, it's about esports, but they talk a, a, a lot about old games, too. So it's kind of across the gaming spectrum. I feel like there's a lot of Easter eggs in there, if that makes sense. So sure, <laughs> that's my vague okay. answer. That basically means I think so. <laughs> right on. OK, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, is that it for your watching? No, there's there's one other thing I wanted to mention, which is really, really cool. And Drew, I don't know if you've heard of this at all, but I watched uh, TMNT, The Last Ronin animation. Uh, so no. this is a... Okay. I, I can tell it's a Ninja Turtles, but I yep. have not watched this. So this is a um, Ninja Turtles animated fan film that is on YouTube, so you can everybody can check it out. It's called TMNT The Last Ronin, and it's a uh, animated, it's like a four-minute-long animated fan film that's based off of a uh, current uh, comic book series by the same name. So uh, I think it's um, IDB, is that the comic book company, is currently publishing uh, Ninja Turtles comics, and they have a uh, series, which I'm pretty sure is current, called The Last Ronin. And uh, from what I know, because I only know vaguely about the comic series, it's essentially about all the Ninja Turtles have died except for one of them. And it's one of them trying to, I don't know if it's a revenge story or if it's more just him grappling with carrying on their legacy and stuff, but it seems to be a very dark um, sort of a solitude based samurai story essentially. And this is a YouTube animation that it's a, it's, it's four minutes long, but it feels like it's a minute long. And I don't know how they did it because it's a very dark short scene of this one turtle who is 
essentially just grappling with the fact that he is the last one alive out of his brothers. And uh, in the animation, the character wears a black mask. You know, he doesn't have a colored mask on. So you can't you honestly can't for sure tell which turtle it is. And from what I've heard, you actually have to read the comic to know which turtle it is. But I what I what I can say about this uh, animation is, first off, it is gorgeous, like the backgrounds and environments they show, which is really just a little bit of the uh, turtles layer and the sewer. They look gorgeous. They look super, super realistic. And uh, the characters they show are extremely detailed, extremely visceral. And it's it's amazing. It's just an amazing bit of animation just from a craft and uh, detail oriented sense. But also, as I mentioned, this is four minutes long. And it's kind of this really quick monologue scene and it's very dark. There's a lot of weight to it, but not a lot happens. And that's the weirdest part of this is it was so good when it ended. I thought it was only a minute and a half or two minutes long. Like it is, it flies back so fast and like barely anything happens and I couldn't believe it. And I was just like, I just want this to keep going. Like I want this to be either a movie or a full series, but it's, it's super amazing if you like anything about the Ninja Turtles or just cool animation or cool fan films. Definitely check this one out. This was awesome. Like I can't if I go into any more specifics, I'm going to be spoiling anything. But this is just awesome and I highly recommend it. So, uh, yeah, definitely check out TMNT, The Last Ronin. <laughs> um, well, OK, I guess I'm sold. <laughs> uh now, that actually sounds really cool. Um, I when as soon as you like the the mystery of what turtle it is kind of caught my attention. I'm like, oh, I like that. Like, you know, just that just sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have I have my theories about who it is, but it doesn't give it away. So that is pretty neat. Oh, uh, but yeah, keep going. All right. So my watching and reading category is very nil, like nothing. Um, nice. A couple, couple reasons why. Uh, one, um, I have a I've had a very big week. <laughs> of prepping um I, i'm at a point in my adult DD campaign where i had to do a ton of prep so um for my players if you are listening um i can't wait to get to the table with you for this one um so, so i've been doing a ton of, <laughs> i've been doing a ton of prep and uh game sessions friday night so i'm looking forward to uh hitting the table so if they uh if they do hear this yes i do do a lot of work to put that to campaign to the table um so I was working on that, and then for Father's Day, I got. Have you seen those Lego portraits before? <laughs> um, I I know where you're going with this. I okay. hadn't seen one until I saw um, what you shared on social okay. media with this. So. <laughs> so they have these Lego portraits, which is basically like studs, and you're basically mm-hmm. you know using the studs, the little like. And if you played a Lego video game, you know what I'm talking about by studs. They're the little like just one dot colored circles or whatever and you piece them together to create a portrait well for father's day so they have a batman one you buy it and you can do a picture of either batman joker or harley <laughs> yeah well, by two of these things you can do this gorgeous batman catwoman jim lee art or you buy three of them that's this giant batman only piece of picture but they're really expensive so when i saw it i was like oh the two would be really cool because that that the Jim Lee specific picture, I was like, that's really cool. It's actually a really cool image. So for Father's Day, I got two of them. 
Um, so it's been sitting there for a while knowing that it was going to take me a while. It was like four hours of time, but I pieced that together and it created this gorgeous, uh, like wall hanging Lego portrait of Batman and Catwoman. Um, if you want to see it, it is on my Instagram, uh, drew three, nine, two, seven. I posted it there. Um, turn the volume up. Cause I put the, uh, Batman theme when I was zooming in and out. <laughs> nice. So, um, <laughs> I made sure the Batman theme was playing while I was zooming away, like showing you the thing. Anyway, um, that was a lot of fun to put together. Um, that's honestly about it. My plan was to watch the gray man on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was sadly, um, realized Saturday morning when I went to watch the gray man, that it is theaters on July 15th. Netflix July 22nd so this weekend <laughs> it'll actually be on Netflix <laughs> yeah and I remember um I remember last week you mentioned it and I was like excited to check it out this weekend and I ran into the same thing I was like oh I guess it doesn't come out this weekend so <laughs> oh well yeah so we'll see and I'm, I'm really excited to watch it but uh, I'll have a review for you later um I do have to ask you you didn't check out any Miss Marvel did you you know, I still haven't watched it, and I don't know why. I feel – with this show, I feel like this, there's this weird thing where I feel like I'm not seeing any hype for it anywhere. Like, I'm not seeing anybody talk about it that much, and I – it's not that I don't want to watch it. It's like I never remember it when I go well, to sit I down and watch I TV. Really don't wanna, I really don't want to spoil – I really don't want to spoil stuff for you, but Comic-Con's about to hit. And I'm really worried that for those people who aren't watching are going to go, wait, what? And everyone's going to turn around and rush to watch Captain Marvel. Okay. Miss Marvel, because there are three massive surprises at the end of the show that I'm dying to talk to you about. I'm Uh, sorry. (laughs) No, it's totally fine. I just I got to catch up. I just don't want to ruin it. And if you're watching and if you're listening to this and you've already caught up on Miss Marvel, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, one of them, regardless of a dialogue announcement, it's kind of like there's a line of dialogue that's going to make your jaw hit the floor. But in your moment of shock, if you're listening, there's an audio cue too that's really, really subtle, but it's gorgeous that they put it in there. Hmm. Um, and then there's two other bits, like right near, like there's, it's then that's right before they roll the credits and the other surprises are within the bonus scene. Um, so, and it's three total surprises. It's the huge bounds for the MCU. That's why I'm excited to talk about it. But okay, you didn't nice. get caught up. So, <laughs> no, and you're not going to have any time before next week to talk about it because <laughs> you're going on a trip and you have to keep up with Comic Con. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try my best. But yeah. <laughs> It'll it's be all difficult. good. It's all good. We'll get to it. And, um, you know, we'll have to. So ultimately, guys, I enjoyed Miss Marvel all the way through the big surprises at the end. Like I said, I don't want to ruin it. Check it out for yourselves because your jaw will be on the floor when the the, the one that gets released before the credits, your jaw is going to be on the floor. However, if you get it and if you don't get it, we'll explain it here. The <laughs> other ones are in the bonus scene and it's two. it's a two part thing. And. It sets up an upcoming film, which makes me really excited for potential direction they're going. Um, Nice. So, um, actually, it sets up two different films, but one very specifically gets me really excited. Um, So, yeah, other than that, that's kind of my watching and reading and Lego building for the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. um, You want to roll into news? Like I said, it's kind of light. 
I mean, yeah, like, sure thing. I mean, like really light. Um, it's the calm before the storm of Comic-Con, the, I guess. It's the big calm before the storm. And in the realm <laughs> of Comic-Con, let's talk about this real quick. You mentioned your Ninja Turtles thing is on YouTube, right? Yes. So I poke around on YouTube quite a bit um, when I get home from work. Um, I kind of scan them, you know, the recommended and most recently updated, but it's all based on your own personal searches. So there's some video game stuff in there. There's some comic book stuff in there. There's usually trailers and stuff because they know I like movies, apparently. Um, there's a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons stuff. You know, that's good to, like, poke through every now and then. However, um, I have been seeing lately a lot of what I believe are fake trailers. Oh, um, yes, yes. This a is a lot problem. Of a lot of them. Um, there was a thing I saw today. Uh, today, first look at Marvel's Ironheart. Now, <laughs> yeah. we haven't heard much from Ironheart in a while. Yeah. Um. There, I don't know, this This one actually could be legit, because they first show some glimpses of Tony Stark um, from Captain America 3 at the beginning, when he was doing that, like, TED Talk at the university, and talking about, you know, funding everyone's, like, um, science projects and something for their thesis, and, you know, that, that scene. Yeah. So you're, the idea in my brain as I'm watching this is that, oh, the girl who is who becomes Ironheart was in that audience. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole bunch of footage that is not something we've seen before. So it really has me questioning if that's a legit first teaser. Yeah. And, and it's the week of Comic-Con that this dropped. So the chance that something got leaked, I think, has a possibility of happening. But they keep that stuff so guarded, I don't know if it's true. Um, there's, I've seen trailers for Spider-Man 4. Look, we know that Spider-Man 4 is only in discussion phases already. <laughs> um, and so the trailer that I know that's out there, it's all, if you look at it real closely, it's all existing footage. Yeah. Trailer. It's not anything new. It's nothing we don't know about. And it's doctored. Um, I saw a trailer for, um, there was a Loki trailer that I saw that I was like, none of this is real. Like, just looking at the footage, <laughs> you're like, this is all old footage, repurposed, recut. Everything's out of context. Um, so be really careful what you're looking at on the Internet, because, you know, I'd love to say, hey, we checked out this trailer today. It's I'm starting to have to check my sources for where the trailers came from. You know what I mean? Like, that's getting that's getting difficult. No, absolutely. And it's one of those things I honestly don't go. I mostly go to IMDb for trailers at this point, because like you said, YouTube is just filled with fake trailers. And uh, for me, it was actually trying to find um, Spider-Man No Way Home trailers. Like I I remember hearing about like, oh, the new Spider-Man trailer came out. So I would try to search for it on YouTube. And I would, you know, click on the first video because usually that's what it would be. Like the top one would be the the real trailer and I'd start watching it. And about halfway through, I'd be like, nope, this isn't the real one. And then it was just like it got super annoying. It was like every single time I tried to look up a trailer, the top suggestions were always fake trailers and i think it's because those it's almost like the people who made the trailer tricked everybody into watching their trait their fake one so then because those trailers have more views the algorithm like puts them at the as the top suggestion but then that just kind of like 
ruins like <laughs> ruins it for everybody and it's it's a massive i think this is a massive problem and i i understand that it's probably fun to edit together your favorite movies and make these interesting fake trailers but i do think it's a massive problem and youtube needs to have some sort of vetting aspect into their al- algorithm when it comes to people searching for trailers so you actually get the the official trailer suggested to you first and foremost, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I bring that up because first off, we it's one thing to live in a world with fake quote unquote fake news. We don't need <laughs> fake nerd news too. Um, <laughs> but the re the reason I bring this up is because there's a rumor right now about Jason Siegel and everything is a pointing to the fact that this really could be a legit thing and not just a rumor. So if it is great, if it is a rumor, take this with a grain of salt, but rumor is Jason Siegel will be reportedly appearing in the she Hulk show and the character he's playing is the thing. Yep. And I was going to say if that was, uh, if that's a fake rumor, (laughs) awesome. (laughs) If it's true. Uh, and, if, and if it's fake, it's very grim news. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> Keep going. No, it was right there, and uh, <laughs> I wish I saw that first. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I just, it's the, let's, let's see what happens. Um, I think it would, it would be awesome. Like, I could totally see him playing the thing, though. I think that's. Really awesome casting, but then it, again, it's like, is this just the internet doing an amazing job of casting that's not going to actually exist? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, the other rumor, and I really don't know how this plays, is that um, musical artist Dua Lipa is in talks with DC to play a character. Um, so here's the thing. I don't have any problem with Dua Lipa. I just don't know how she is as an actress. And True. If, they're grabbing, if they're grabbing her because she's a big name, that could be, in my opinion, that's kind of a mistake. Find the right person for the job. Don't just grab a big name because sometimes it's the star power that gets some of these castings off the ground. The buzz around this is that she is set to play Zatanna. Now, weird. OK, well, not the weird. Physically, I totally see it. Yeah totally see it i'm like yeah dua lipa for zatanna why not awesome choice it's literally like they took that person and said you know who looks like zatanna dua lipa let's get her in and have a meeting (laughs) you know (laughs) um my thing with this is i really enjoy zatanna as a character she's actually a really fun character in dc universe i've always liked the character i love like it's one thing to read justice league dark and you get some really cool zatanna stuff it's something else when you're watching like the Batman animated series and you get a backstory about how Bruce Wayne and Zatanna knew each other when they were kids or like when they were teenagers and had a little bit of a fling when Bruce was learning how to do some, you know, escapist stuff from her father. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Zatanna is a really great character. And um, not that I don't want Dua Lipa touching it. I just want a character that I really like to be held with the same respect as they do everything else and make sure you're picking the right person for the job. If this is, a, if this is true, great. Let's see how it turns out. I'm in. Yeah. If it's not, I, if it's not correct, this is where the internet has ran with something and, you know, so. 
it's one of those stories though where I feel like how do you, how would you make that up? Because I feel like Dua Lipa is such a like I wouldn't imagine she's on anybody's short list to play Zatanna, but and and again, like like you said, I have no idea how I don't know how she is an as an actress at all, but I just I just don't know how you make that up unless is she known as an actress or something like it seems so out of left field. I feel like there's got to be some truth, truth to it, but I could be wrong. I don't really know. (laughs) Well, here's a story that actually has some truth to it. Um, We have a Hunger Games prequel coming. The song of the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is the subtitle. And uh, Peter Dinklage will be joining the cast. Fun. Yeah, fun, right? Awesome. Uh, Peter Dingle is great. <laughs> I can't wait to see him again. We haven't seen him in a while since Game of Thrones, so yeah, why not? Uh, I, I'm hoping he's some like really like just flamboyant out there like District One personality, but I'm kind of curious how it's going to play out, you know? <laughs> sure. Well, this is where it's one thing to talk comic book rumors and everything. It's something else where the stories start to get weird for the day. Like I said, it's a very light news day, so I got three, and they're going to get weirder as we go. Okay. Okay. Um, The first one is an entertainment story. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, um, who most people recognize him from uh, Black Panther, maybe. Um, But he can he confirms that a live action Barney movie is moving forward. (laughs) A live action Uh, Barney movie. A live action Barney movie, as in the (laughs) purple dinosaur. Great. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Now, there's two ways that in my head I see this coming on. You do a live-action Barney movie like you would watch an episode of Barney. That's just how it plays out. Or two, you do a live-action Barney movie based on all the behind-the-scenes stuff that went in to put that together. The way mm. they did Mr. Rogers' movie, or maybe the way they did a corrupted uh, Death the Smoochie movie. Um, so there's, <laughs> uh, there's multiple stories here, and uh, it makes me wonder what the plan for the Barney movie is. Wasn't expecting to see that many. <laughs> or you take the Winnie the Pooh blood and honey route and just go all out slasher horror movie with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. This one. Oh, man, I should save this one for the end because it's the most it made me the most excited in terms of the weird. Okay. okay. Do you know you know how you can uh, go on to uh, um, the Internet and uh, name a star? <laughs> and like and like give oh, it a right, right, gift yeah. and say um happy birthday i named this star after you and you're like gee thanks <laughs> you don't know what to yeah. do with it <laughs> okay um for only ten dollars you can sign up on the black hole registry inter- the, the international black hole registry and specifically and it specifically encourages you to choose someone or something that sucks to name a black hole after <laughs> Um, and they say this is the best sick burn there is black holes sucking all light and nothing escapes its gravity. Sound like anyone, you know, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't normally say this, but with what you just said, like, I wouldn't normally say this, but if somebody wants to name a black hole after our show, I would totally be fine with that. (laughs) Because either way, like, yeah, they might be saying we suck, but I mean, you have a black hole named after you. That's so awesome. I mean, one, we have a black (laughs) hole named after us. Two, it costs them $10 to do that. Um, (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) um, 
I thought it was really funny, and I was like, ooh, we have to talk about this. So if you know someone who sucks and uh, you want to give them a really great birthday present, it's only cost you $10, and you can name a black hole after them. And maybe they'll get the joke. Maybe they won't. But it's, uh, it's also a really good piece of marketing, too. Like, I, you gotta, kind of got to applaud the uh, ad expertise on that one, you know? <laughs> yeah. This, this headline really got my attention. Okay, and I this this I'm completely amazed by this antique vampire slaying kit costs a cool fifteen thousand dollars. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) British auction house Hanson's sold a real life vampire slaying kit. A wide variety of items believed to ward off and kill vampires are included in the box said to be from the late 19th century. (laughs) Um. Vampires, you know, obviously folklore and myth and all that stuff is are they tr- are they real? Maybe. Do we believe in them? Maybe. Who knows? What we do know is that apparently somewhere along the way, this went from myth and folklore and fairy tale to someone actually building a vampire yeah. kit. And it makes me wonder how many more of these actually exist. Um, there is a zoomed in picture this look, looks like some postcardy letter things and like a looks like a journal. There's some bottles in here of what maybe could be holy water and garlic. Yeah. Um, there's two little pistols, like tiny pistols that you could hide in like a purse or maybe like your sleeve. Um, there's a couple crucifixes. Uh, there's a Bible. There looks like a like a judge's gavel with a cross on it. I don't know what that's about. Um Looks like there's some, I'm not sure if these are candlesticks or not. I'm not 100% sure what a couple of these items are. There is what looks like a wooden stake. Obviously, that makes sense. Um, A magnifying glass. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, it blew my mind that something like this actually exists. And it kind of made me excited that something like that actually exists. Um, (laughs) Well, you brought up the uh, price or how much that this... uh antique vampire slaying kit went for and it kind of boggled my mind because i was thinking like well you could make a brand new one for a lot le- <laughs> a lot less than that <laughs> but then i realized as you kept describing it this is like one of those sort of antique roadshow level like one of a kind sort of uh, yeah. artifacts that's being auctioned off and it's super interesting because whoever made this was just all in like they were actually probably super afraid of vampires and it's a really really interesting thing and it is it does make you wonder are there more of these out there is this literally a -a one-of-a-kind thing um it it's definitely i'm sure it's not something that's mass produced but was there a trend of uh, a lot of people making vampire kits back in the day who knows but then it also makes me wonder you know 50 to 100 years from now (laughs) are they going to be selling like our like early 2000s zombie killing kits and stuff that some of the doomsday preppers are putting together nowadays. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, (laughs) yeah, the doomsday preppers with their zombie kits, but no, I, well, yeah, that's a good point. But the idea that, you know, that this was built like what the, the late 19th century, this was at a time where people like heavily believed in that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and like we're really worried about like, you know, evil spirits and stuff like that and actually believed that that was real. And the idea that this exists just it had me really excited and I had to talk about it. So absolutely. Anyway, anyway, that's it for the news, man. Like I said, very light, very mediocre, just kind of blah, to be completely honest, in my opinion. Um, 
I, I feel okay. like it was a small number of stories, but a lot of actually uh, quality stories in there. So can't right. complain about that. Well, we have a megaton of news to talk about next week because of Comic-Con. So can't wait to dissect and unpack that. Um, Absolutely. For the sake of argument, we're getting to our list earlier than normal. So would you like to talk about the list tonight? Yes. Great. <laughs> um, so let's roll the thing. Okay. And now for the top five. Peter, this was this week was my list. Uh, tonight we're talking about movies revisited. One of the biggest things that caught my attention that made me want to pick this list, just to kind of give an explanation to uh, how this came about, was I was reading an article about someone who was like, it was it was one of those articles like, I went back and rewatched this. It's not as bad as I remember. Blah blah blah. And then oh, I oh okay, like I saw an article that brought up a specific movie. I was like, oh, that's an interesting. That's interesting. I you don't see articles like that all a lot. And it was like, and the article's like, I was sitting home alone, didn't have anything to do, thought I'd pop it in because I hadn't seen the movie in a while. Um, don't remember it being this good, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So it made me think about very specifically the Star Wars prequels, where when they came out, they were incredibly divisive. And at the time, in my opinion, it split fandom the way the sequel trilogy is doing right now. But there's a lot of people now coming to the defense of the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing. Prequel trilogy, original trilogy, sequel trilogy, no matter what you're a fan of, we all agree that lightsabers are cool. So <laughs> um, my point is the fact that those movies suffered a lot of hate from critics and the internet and all that stuff. And nowadays when a movie does poorly, internet hate is rampant and it's incredibly toxic. And one bad review or a rotten tomatoes review could really tank a movie's performance. And I sometimes feel like when people talk about a movie, they're not even expressing their own actual opinion about a movie. They're just ranting. And you're like, well, did you watch the movie? There's a lot of times that people will complain about something in a movie. And I'll think to myself, did you actually pay attention or were you playing with your phone? Um, did you actually hear that line of dialogue that explained the thing that you were you're complaining about now? Do you not? Re- you know, like I'm not 100 percent sure. So my idea was this is what are movies that have gotten crapped on from people like you've talked to at parties or on the Internet or, you know, that kind of stuff that. Now time has passed. Let's rewatch them and let's try and find, let's see if we can find the good in them. Um, so that's kind of how I had tackled my list was here's the list of movies that I think everyone should maybe take another crack at. Um, yes, they're not perfect movies, but I think people need to take another crack at these. So that's kind of like, so. yeah, I like the way you approached it. And I actually wasn't sure if that was the approach you meant or if you meant it as this list to be more of like almost an academic study of like, well, here are five movies you should rewatch because they're so intricately crafted and you need to notice, you know, random bits that you might, that might've flown over your head the first time and stuff like that. And I think 
I think a lot of my picks are actually more along those lines, but I actually think I have a mixture of both approaches. And um, this is, uh, I honestly did find this list to be kind of hard because when it comes down to it, I feel like most movies deserve to have more than one watch. Like most movies you've seen, if you like them, like they deserve to be watched again because you always you always notice new things the second or third or fifth or hundredth time around. And I think, um, I think that's an interesting discussion as well, but uh, no, I think this is a cool topic. I kind of like hearing what inspired the list because it makes me feel like it's more, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase it, but it's, it makes me feel like it's less of like a super academic serious thing and more of just a fun, like, well, you need to rewatch this because it's not as bad as you remember, or maybe you took it the wrong way or something like that. So um, I feel like I'm rambling on a little bit here <laughs> as well, but uh, I thought this one was a pretty fun list to put together overall. Um, I have two honorable mentions. I don't know about you, Drew. Um, I apparently muted myself there. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how or why, but I apparently muted myself. This, I, there is a, this was not meant to be a film school thing. This right. was meant to be, um, uh, it wasn't meant to be film school. It wasn't meant to be academic. This was meant to be, let's talk about movies that we really liked. And for some reason they got crapped on. And I think people need to maybe revisit. I think it's time to like put the internet aside and just watch the movie for what it is and focus on what, you know? Um, so yeah, um, I do have two honorable mentions, so that's okay. You know, that works out. Um, so what do you got? What's your first one? Yeah, so uh, my first one is probably the most divisive uh, pick on my list. And I feel like this is a movie that you either love or hate. And I feel like the uh, director of this movie, that's kind of a thing for all of his movies. Because <laughs> I went with the M. Night Shyamalan film Signs. Um, I'm definitely going to spoil the movie in my description here. But this is a movie that when I first saw it, I thought it was super entertaining. I thought it was really good. I thought it was very it's like a very suspenseful, but really, um, really accessible sort of uh, horror or sci fi thriller. I don't know how you want to phrase it, but this is a movie that after I saw it, I religious started thinking, thriller, if you will, <laughs> what's that? It's maybe a religious thriller, if you think about it. Anyway, true. And I'm going to get back into that because this is a movie that I watched and uh my first impression of it was I was like, that was pretty good. And then I started thinking more about the movie. And here's where my spoil co spoiler comes in. But at the end of the movie, they find out that water will harm the aliens and that you can defend yourself using water against the aliens. And uh, that's when the movie started to fall apart for me, because I was like, well, if water kills them why would they come to a planet that's three quarters water like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. and like so it, it went from liking the movie to kind of thinking that's stupid but then one day I stumbled upon this uh internet sort of fan theory about the movie that in the movie it's not actually aliens but that it's actually demons and you might think that's crazy because there are crop circles and stuff but when you watch the movie, they never show a UFO. They don't talk about spaceships or anything. All that you know is there's crop circles and all of a sudden these creatures start appearing and attacking people and stuff. Yeah. And the size with the holy water and all that stuff. Um, 
Yeah, and that, that's the thing is they the belief is that the uh, Mel Gibson's daughter in the movie, she had this uh, tick where she would keep she would always grab a cup of water and start drinking it until it tasted funny. And then she'd set down the water somewhere in the house and they used those cups of water to fight off the alien at the end. But the idea is that she's actually like blessed or angelic and she wasn't actually leaving water behind. She was actually turning water into holy water as she drank it. And supposedly there's some sort of like really subtle hints at that in the movie. And I think this is where it comes into you're you either love this movie or you hate it. And you might not believe this fan theory at all. I'm kind of on the fence with it, but I do think it's a fun thing to rewatch the movie with that in mind because it completely changes a lot of aspects of the movie. And this is a theory that feeds way more into the general themes behind the movie and stuff like that. If that makes sense. It's a really long honorable mention. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, it it is an honorable mention because I am on the fence with this one, but I do think it is a fun idea to rewatch with that in mind. I really enjoyed this movie up until the last 10 minutes. Like you, Um, And yeah, I've heard that theory before, too. And, you know, sometimes when I've told people that I didn't like it, sometimes they respond with, well, did you get it? Like, yeah, I got it. Um, I'm I'm on the fence with it as well. So I totally understand what you're saying. But yeah, this movie probably does deserve a rewatch through a different uh, lens, if you will. Yeah. So. um, All right. My first honorable mention is the live action Ghost in the Shell. Um, Okay. This movie got completely raked over the coals even before the movie got released. Um, And one of the reasons was they were complaining about Scarlett Johansson getting cast as the major because of cultural appropriation. And, you know, she's not Asian and all that stuff. When you had the creator backing the casting going, no, I never intended for the major to be Asian. So this is totally perfect casting. (laughs) So even though the creator was saying that. They were still like raking the movie over the coals. So by the time it came out, everyone skipped out on it. Um, it is a movie that I enjoy. I've talked on the podcast more before about how I enjoyed this movie and I loved the original anime. It just there's a lot of good in this movie in terms of cinematography and acting and special effects and, you know, that kind of stuff. I just think it deserves a rewatch because I think there's a lot of good that people missed because they listened to the Internet, if you will. Yeah. So. Um, that's the only reason that's literally all I got on that. It's a really cool movie, giant robots and crazy weapons. And it's an action (laughs) film ultimately and a really cool mystery behind it and stuff. But, you know, I just, I think that it got an unfair, it started off with an unfair advantage. So, or a disadvantage, if you will. And I think any live action anime adaptation is going to have that disadvantage, unfortunately, but (laughs) I agree. What's your next honorable mention? Yeah. So my next one goes more into the realm of just a movie I think is really good. And it makes an honorable mention because I've only seen it once, but I know it would be even better on the second time. And uh, this one was one of my favorite movies from last year, and that is uh, Last Night in Soho, the uh, Edgar Wright film starring Anna Taylor-Joy. I might have said her name wrong, but... Uh, Anya, this, but yes, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one is... Uh, it's just really good. Like, it's a really, really awesome sort of a supernatural-esque thriller 
based in uh, London, and there's these really cool aspects where it takes place between present day and the 1960s, and there's a weird parallel between two characters from both time periods, and it's one of those things where if you watch it all the way through and you realize what's going on and you see how the film wraps up, you know, when you watch it a second time there, you're going to be, you're going to be noticing a lot more Easter eggs. You're going to be noticing a lot of little aspects of the film that you didn't realize the first time. And a lot of hints at where the film is going, but not only that, this is a movie that when it comes to the craft of filmmaking, when it comes to the cinematography, there's some really cool tricks that they do within the film. And I feel like the cinematography also, uh, the craft of the cinematography lends to the way the plot of the movie actually uh, plays out, if that makes sense. But again, this is one that I've watched once, but I know upon viewing it a second time, it would play out a lot differently and a lot more interestingly. And that's why I picked it as an honorable mention as opposed to actually on my list because I've only seen it once. So I can't put it on my actual list, but I know this one would work out amazingly with a revisit, if that makes sense. No, it, it does. And this is a movie that just hit HBO Max. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I did see it on there. I am very, it moved to the top of my list pretty quick. Um, I was planning on watching it this weekend, but I got way busier than I thought I was going to be. Um, so uh, I'm, really excited to watch it and everything you're telling me when you're like catching all these Easter eggs you didn't watch and catch the first time like any other Edgar Wright movie you know like it's just exactly um so I I honestly can't wait to see this so um yeah I can't, I can't wait to hear what you think of this one Drew because I really think you're gonna love this uh when you get the chance to watch it so all right cool um all right so my final honorable mention is the movie The Island um this is a Michael Bay film Ewan McGregor Scarlett Johansson um, there's no theme with my honorable mentions. She just happens to be in both of them. Um, <laughs> the uh, the island is. I think this movie gets a little bit of a bad rap because it's Michael Bay. And uh, but in my opinion, this is the best Michael Bay movie there is. Um, and it's it's kind of like this golden nugget that I think a lot of people forget that's out there. Um, so I just think that everyone should give this another go. There's a lot of cool stuff, really cool concepts with the. Um, the plot of the film, I don't want to give it away because on the back of the box, on the back of the DVD case, it actually like tells you the twist <laughs> and you're like, dude, <laughs> not that there's necessarily a twist in the movie, but there's something like when you're, when you're getting, there's a point in the movie where you're like, okay, I'm really not a hundred percent sure what's going on. And then the movie turns a little bit and you're like, whoa, okay, now I know what's going on. And that's like halfway through the film. Yeah. Um, they put that in the on the box and you're like, come on, man. Like, because <laughs> I went to the theater based on the trailer going, this looks cool. Let's go see this movie. And we walked out going, that was a really fun movie. That was a really good, fun ride. And we just didn't see it coming. And I was like in the theater, honestly, getting bored. And then the movie took the turn and I was like, whoa, hold on. Let's reevaluate this, <laughs> you know, Um so, yeah, yeah I, don't know. I think everyone should give it a go. I just think everyone should give it another try. So. And to be honest, it's been a while since I've watched this one, so I could probably do with a rewatch of this movie. But just related to Michael Bay, while you're talking about it, I was really thinking about how 
there's a lot of people who complain about the Transformers movies, but then see no pro you know but then they're completely fine with like bad boys for example or something like that and i feel like people are picky and choosy like michael bay definitely has some good movies under his belt it's really almost like he has the transformers series that a lot of people hate on and he gets a bad rap overall because of that if that makes sense so (laughs) one one of my issues with michael bay is if you watch from bad boys one and two to the island to transformers to ninja turtles there are, he has, he does have some gorgeous cinematography, and he really does know how to shoot action sequences. But, during the course of the movie, you are going to see the maybe ten camera shots that are identical to yeah. every Michael Bay movie. He's got very, very specific camera work that he does. Um, and it's kind of like their signature moves of his, which is fine, because everyone has their, you know, niche if you think about it, and their own visual style, it just gets repeated so often. And you're just like, this is you like sometimes you could watch a movie not knowing it's a Michael Bay film and go, oh, it's a Michael Bay film. Um, yeah. No, that that's true. But at the same time, um, I know I I remember reading about how the uh, Cohen brother brothers were um, kind of like uh, part of the uh, crew on one of the Evil Dead movies. And uh, they actually oh, yeah. use a there's a certain shot that's used in evil dead that the Coen brothers use in every single one of their movies, if you pay attention. And, uh, I think it's funny that like nobody gives the Coen brothers crap for reusing shots, but Michael Bay, you know, is the worst person yeah. in the world. Cause he reuses <laughs> shots sometimes, you know? Sure. sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, reach out, give the island another go, you know? Um, what's your first actual pick of the night? Yes. Yeah, so, It's weird because this is a weird list and I don't know what order to do it in, but I'm going to go with. okay. so this pick is a serious, legit pick because I think this movie is really good, but it's all (laughs) it's also a funny pick because there's a really silly reason it made my list as well. And that is the movie Old Boy. So Old Boy is a uh, Korean action film um, that also has an American version starring. Josh Brolin. I almost forgot his name for a second there, but yeah, starring Josh Brolin is the American version. And what was that? Thanos. Oh yes. Yes. Thanos Brolin in old boy. (laughs) So anyways, (laughs) um, I have not seen the American version. Um, I saw the uh, Korean version though, back when I was in college and this movie is amazing when it comes to, yes, like it's, super action packed. And there's actually some really, it's one of those movies that's very masculine and brutal when it comes to its action. Like there's this really famous hallway fight scene where the main character fights off like 20 different guys. And the only weapon he has is a hammer and it's brutal and it's gory, but it's so badass and fun to watch. So the movie has those sort of really awesome action scenes. But when it comes down to it, the the movie is a tale of revenge. It's about a man who is like put in solitary confinement and, uh, you know, unknowingly like like he doesn't understand why. And when he gets out of confinement, it's about him hunting down the man who put him in confinement and uh, basically getting his revenge on what happened to him. And it's a very dark movie and it's very intricate. And when it comes to the end of the movie, the way the movie plays out, it is so brutal 
And I don't want to spoil too much, so I don't want to say too much, but it's one of those movies that goes places that you don't expect and don't really expect any other movie you would go to. And it's just, it's brutal, both psychologically and um, as far as, like, gore and violence goes. It is a brutal film, but... This is a movie that I rented when I was in college because one of my best friends suggested like, hey, this movie's awesome. You should check it out. So I rented it. I watched it. Thought it was cool. Then I asked uh, one of my roommates at the time to watch it with me because I was like, oh, I rented this. This was pretty awesome. So I watched it with him. And like I said, this movie plays out (laughs) in really brutal, unexpected ways. And this movie, like I said, it's intricate. It's definitely worth a rewatch besides this reason that I'm about to say. But watching it with a friend, knowing what was going to happen and seeing him react, <laughs> how he reacted to the places that this movie goes. It was just so fun to watch my friend like squirm and stuff on the couch as we watched through it. And that's another joy to watch this movie. So watch this movie once. Appreciate it for the masterpiece it is. But then watch it with a friend so you can laugh at their their <laughs> discomfort as they go through the plot of the film. <laughs> well, I have not seen the Josh Brolin one, but I have yeah. seen the Korean one. So yeah. I totally understand what you're talking about with how brutal the movie can actually get. Um, this is a really fun movie, and this definitely, if you've not seen this, watch it. If you watched it and didn't like it, definitely give this movie a rewatch. <laughs> well, so it's... Totally, it's yeah. You might watch it and you might not like it, but it's going to make you feel things. <laughs> You might not like the things it makes you feel, but it is going to you are going to have a, an emotional reaction to it. This isn't a light sort of watch, if that makes sense. So, yeah, that is a good what makes you feel things. That's funny. Um, all right. So my first pick for the night is a movie called Confidence. Um, this movie did not get the biggest reviews. It did not uh, really make any headway. It did not uh, do in a good box office. I really don't know what happened to this movie. Um, this is a movie that I saw a trailer for and told all my friends at the time, we should all go see this movie. And everyone was like, what are we seeing? (laughs) Um, but we all walked out of the theater going, that was a good ride. That was awesome. Um, nice. Since then, I've watched this movie several, several times, and it honestly gets better every time I see it. Um, in the sense that um, I catch things in the background. It's not an Easter egg thing. It's more of you catch things. So you watch how an actor said a line of, delivered a line of dialogue or um, they delivered a line of dialogue a specific way one time, but you find it. But because of that one scene later when they're doing this thing, you can tell that they're lying because of this. Other, you know, it's really good quality paying attention to their acting with consistency and stuff. Um, Edward Burns, Rachel Weiss, Paul Giamatti, Dustin Hoffman, um, it's, it's got a really huge cast, um, that kind of will, um, shock you a little bit as you watch through it. And you're like, oh my God, there's this guy and this guy and this guy. Um, uh, Donald Logue and Luis Guzman is in it. Like it's, um, it's a, it's a cool movie. It's a, basically a con man movie in the sense of like an Ocean's Eleven sort of thing. And it comes down to how they did it. Um, and looking for the, and trying to solve the puzzle as they go through this heist and, you know, everything. So it's a really cool movie, but the movie's called Confidence. Check it out. Um, if, if you've never seen the movie, totally give this movie a go. It's great. And you're probably going to watch it and go, how did this skate under my radar? Uh, came out, (laughs) came out, uh, mid double lots, if you will. So those early 2000s, 2004, maybe 2005 ish, uh, timeframe. So. 
So I like vaguely remember this coming out, but I've actually not watched this one. So I'll definitely have to put it on my list. So yeah, okay. <laughs> um, what's your next pick of the night? So my next mine one, are about, could, mine are about to get controversial. So <laughs> my next one, I could probably keep pretty short, but this is one of the few movies I've watched that immediately after watching it, it was just begging to be rewatched. And uh, you're going to know why I say that, Drew, because the movie I picked was Donnie Darko. Uh, yeah. This movie is a very intricate, uh, very subtle sort of time travel movie. It's a movie that's very, very easy to not get on the first time. It's a movie that like I remember watching it in high school and kind of getting it. But I watched it with a group of friends that kind of explained things for me and filled in the gaps afterwards. But it is one of those movies that most people I don't don't think get the first time around some people do and that's awesome but it is very easy to get lost or confused by the time you finish the film um so i think this is just one of those ones that you watch and then when you figure it out you're like that was cool i need to watch it again and you know pick up on all the intricacies of the movie and stuff but the other aspect that i love about this movie is the movie stars like uh you have uh, jake gyllenhaal starring in the movie as well as maggie gyllenhaal and uh this is uh back in i want to say late 90s early 2000s when the movie was made so they were you know in real life probably teenagers or early 20s but you know they're playing high school kids and uh, the high school banter in the movie is pretty amusing as well it's very non-pc um in that great sort of early 2000s sort of way (laughs) but uh it's a movie that you'll you're going to watch it again because you're going to want to pick up on all those sort of uh, all those sort of time travel intricacies of the film, but also this sort of uh, really um, irre- irreverent high school teenager banter that's throughout the movie is very amusing when you watch the movie over and over again as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know if I have too much further to say about this one specifically, but um donnie darko we've talked a lot about on this podcast yeah it's a great film even on first viewing i was like this movie's cool and like yeah. when it got to the weird time travel stuff you're just like okay this movie just got really weird but i was with it the whole time and when i got to the yeah. end it's just like whoa hold on rewind let's do this again um so i totally hear you but yeah give donnie darko a rewatch um okay ready for my first controversial one of the night sure all right, we're going to talk about Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Oh, uh, I see, I see. <laughs> this this movie got raked over the coals. This movie got destroyed by the internet, destroyed by the critics, destroyed by fans. Everybody except for me. Now, I defend <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull in the sense that my intention when I went to see Crystal Skull was I'm going to see an Indiana Jones movie. So, since we hadn't had one in a really long time, what do you need to make an Indiana Jones movie? So I was looking for stuff like that. Um, The idea that it was aliens kind of got spoiled a little bit because the internet went nuts before when that found out. So you couldn't really escape that spoiler. Um, But knowing that it was going to be aliens, I went into the movie with the sense of I'm watching Indiana Jones. So what did we get? We got Indiana Jones on a quest searching for a MacGuffin like he always would. We got a motorcycle chase scene, which is classic Indiana Jones um, style thing to happen. 
along with some great cinematography that like reminiscent of the previous films. You get some, the cool archaeological dig. You get the explanation as to like when they're talking about the Nazca lines and the Mayans and Yankins and stuff. You get the history that Indiana Jones has always done. Then you get the cool action sequences. Um, you know, you get a you do get a little bit of a goofy chase with the monkeys in the jungle. That's one thing that I find a little unforgivable about the movie. But then you get the cool creature feature with the cool uh, fire ants and that fight scene. And, you know, there's always like creature stuff and there's always like a motorcycle or a car chase or there's always like there's so much good in the movie that I think got so heavily overlooked by the fact that one people didn't like the fridge sequence or they didn't like the monkey sequence or they just didn't like Shia LaBeouf in the movie altogether. But there's a lot of good in that movie that I think gets overshadowed by the fact that one person didn't like this bit and the Internet took it and ran. Um, that's the only reason I think this movie needs to be revisited, because I think it got looked at through a lens that was uh, biased in the wrong direction. Right. Or looking to destroy and when it should have been like a little more open minded to what it was going for. I remember walking out of the movie and the people I went and saw it with were just kind of like, eh, it was all right. I mean, it wasn't the best. And I'm not going to argue that. But I will say that I went into the movie expecting an Indiana Jones film. And I walked out of the theater happy that I saw an Indiana Jones film. <laughs> Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes. Yeah. So Crystal Skull, I think it deserves a rewatch um, now that enough time has passed. And we're coming up to Indiana Jones 5. So why not? Anyway. Um, it does. It is my least favorite of the indie films, but that doesn't change the fact that I don't think it need, uh, deserves a rewatch. So, anyway. yeah, absolutely. I think before this movie or before I saw the movie, Drew, you were actually telling me a lot of those points that you just said. So when I finally saw it, I didn't necessarily have a lot of the same complaints that a lot of other people did. And um, I don't know. It's a little bit of a mixture, I think, between people having super high expectations for something. And then because the movie didn't deliver on someone's specific expectations for it, they just decided to hate on it instead of just appreciating it for what it is. But also I think, especially when you bring up the fridge scene, I feel like that's a little bit of just people trying to look for stuff to not like about the movie because like, yeah, like maybe that scene was far fetched in ways, but I also feel like it's a, perfectly acceptable spot to suspend your disbelief and just be like, well, maybe that's not what would really happen, but it was still a pretty cool way to play out that scene. You know what I yeah. mean? It falls under what is being referred to as the rule of cool. And <laughs> yeah, <I> absolutely. <laughs> um, just, I, I say that I use that term a lot, the rule of cool. And before we go any further, the rule of cool is a gaming term. A lot of times focused on uh, dungeons and dragons specifically. And it, the whole point of it means you take a, a briefest moment to suspend your disbelief to allow for a cool character moment. Um, so allow allow your knowledge of physics and the you know known world and stuff just to subside just for a moment to have this cool character thing happen and then go back to your day. <laughs> so um, that's what we refer to as the rule of cool. So yes, the nuking the fridge definitely lands in that category in my opinion. So. I, f I feel like we should do a top five rule of cool moments in movies. <laughs> that, might, that might not be a bad uh, list to do. Um, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, what do you got? What's your next one? 
Yeah, so my next one, uh, I'll try to keep this one short as well because it's a movie we've talked a ton about, but uh, I went with Fight Club. This is one of my favorite movies and favorite books. Um, This is just Fight Club. I don't want to, it's kind of weird because it's so old and I feel like everybody's seen it, but I don't really want to spoil it. But when you watch the movie and you realize who, when you finally find out who Tyler Durden is and uh, what all is going on, this is a movie that definitely you need to rewatch because there's so many hints and uh, intricate moments in the film that really hint at where it's going. And I think it's super rewarding to uh, watch multiple times in that way. And I could probably leave it at that if I want to keep yeah, it vague, unless I, you want to go into spoilers. <laughs> what, I, what I don't remember is them getting bad reviews. Um, like, I don't remember the internet, like, hating this movie or anything like that. This I just, all I remember is everyone saying this movie is amazing. What I will say is I thought you were like, yeah, Fight Club, and everyone should rewatch it because it's amazing. <laughs> you could have loved it. No, no. <laughs> um, but no, you're right. There's there's a lot to this movie to uh, unpack and digest um, on a lot of different levels. Um, so I, I, yeah. I think, well, I think, like, I did pick this one specifically because there's a lot of hints at what is actually going on that you don't necessarily notice if it's your very first time watching the movie um so yeah like this one didn't get a bad reviews but that's why i chose it because of the rewatch ability of it but also i will say that i do feel like i see fight club getting a bad rap online like more often than i used to lately because i feel like it's kind of known it's almost known as this sort of like cult classic for really masculine like dudely sort of dudes and i think it doesn't get the credit for being like as intricate as it actually is, or even the the sort of social commentary of it. I feel like people don't appreciate anymore as well. That's because I have a feeling that a lot of people nowadays are watching it and don't get it. They're like, Oh, (laughs) maybe what's this cult classic film. And they're not understanding what they're watching. To be completely honest. Um, I've heard the complaint that I've heard the complaint of people who don't watch movies because they think movies are too long. And you're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then again, then again, the attention span is so short now because, you know, you're watching these TikTok videos that are, what, 10 seconds long, you know? So it's really interesting when you put that into perspective. Anyway, um, the next one on my list is the movie Prometheus. Um, nice. This movie, I think, needs to be rewatched because this movie got a lot of hate um, and people were angry. They knew this was going to be an alien prequel. And they're like, where's the alien? When do we see the alien? Like, this this is not connected at all. Blah, blah, blah. Um, this movie is very connected. This movie clearly was a prequel. Um, the evolution of the creature from what it was to what it became by the end of the film, giving you a projection of what's coming because we know where the series goes, um, I found absolutely fascinating. And yes. there, was, there was some religious social commentary in there, aside from some science social commentary in there, which was really kind of cool, which I think has led to some of that hate. Um, I do remember Damon Lindelof in an interview, someone asked him about like some of the negative comments that have been made about the movie. And he said what and I this I'll never forget this. He said that he got. Uh, someone on Twitter started yelling at him about how he screwed up the alien franchise by writing this movie. And the guy said that he had to go to the theater and see it five times to be sure that he hated the movie. (laughs) (laughs) He saw it five times in the theater just to be sure that he hated it. Um, That's commitment. um, And that 
makes me laugh. But it also like, but now let's step, take a step back. Let's look at it through a different prism. Let's kind of open our minds a little bit. Let's watch it for what it is and not try and dissect what you think it should be. And that's a lot of times, I think that's where a lot of these, a lot of movies get raked on the internet is because they go in with expectations and everyone wants to claim it for their own. And it's like, I'm a better filmmaker than you. This is how you should have done it. Well, I don't want to talk about how they should have done it. I want to talk about what they did do and let's dissect the movie that way because this filmmaker went in with a vision. You know what I mean? So I just, there's a lot of great in Prometheus. There's a lot of really cool, like aside from like the horror elements, aside from the action sequences, there's some really cool acting bits. There's some really cool story stuff that really lends to where the franchise would go. Um, Yeah. I love this movie. This is a fan. This is a fantastic one. Um, I haven't watched it in a while, but I think I, I watched it several times. I, I, I went to the theater one time, got it home, watched it several, several times after that. Um, yeah, I really like this one. So this is a movie that I watched and I actually really loved. I thought it was awesome. And, uh, it wasn't right after the movie, but I feel like it was a couple months to maybe a year later that I started hearing, a lot of people didn't like the film and I was confused about it for years. Cause all I would ever hear anybody say is, Oh yeah, Prometheus that sucked, but they never would expand on that. They would just say it sucked. I hated it. And I was so yeah. confused for a long time. And most of the complaints that I've honestly heard about the movie really fall into the rule of cool. Again, like this movie exudes rule of cool energy because I've heard people complaining about like, Okay, some people didn't like some of the acting in the movie. Okay, that's a fair criticism. But then you go into some people don't like different actions that different characters made during the movie. Like, they're like, why would this scientist who traveled to an alien planet decide to just take his helmet off randomly? Like, he could have suffocated. And I was like, well, that's a legit criticism. Like, I thought that was annoying that the guy did that while I was watching the movie as well. But it was still a really cool movie. (laughs) I could excuse that one little thing. And like people say the same thing about I think it might be even the same character is really disappointed that they didn't discover alien life. But they happen to discover like ruins of an ancient alien civilization. And like you should be really amazed by that, you know, and like that was another thing where I was like. Well, I did think that was a little annoying as well, (laughs) but it was still cool. And again, that character met his untimely end in kind of a really just way when you watch the movie. (laughs) And it's one of those things where it's like there's so many little nitpicky things. But when it comes to the actual plot of the movie and how it expands on the sort of xenomorph morph uh, mythos and how these this alien species evolves and impregnates different organisms and how it grows. I thought it was really, really intricate and it really fleshed out a lot of concepts that we really only got a peek of in the previous alien film. So I thought it was so satisfying and I felt like people took their nitpicks and used it as an excuse to just hate on the whole movie in general. And then another, I'm sorry to bring this up because this, I feel like might kind of be a spoiler, but One of the big complaints I've heard people talk about is how the alien they show at the very end of the film Mm -hmm. doesn't look like the aliens that we've seen in the other movies. (laughs) Like, I've heard people make that complaint, and I'm kind of like, well, did you watch the film? Like, it's an evolution. And, like, (laughs) even if, like, this movie... (laughs) 
it's one of those things where like even if this specific xenomorph doesn't look just like the aliens we got previously it's this is a species that could really branch out and look different it's almost like a case-by-case basis how this creature could actually yeah, look it's, it's and it's just it's all predicated on who the host creature is too absolutely that, that's another thing it's like it, it it slowly evolves so by the time you uh fast forward because i don't i'd have to go back and look at the math as to how far it is from one movie to the next but when you look at the vast difference there's a big gap and there's an evolution Yes, when, and you it watch, also, when you watch Alien you Covenant, the evolution is a little bit more um, exact to what we know and we yeah. familiar. But that first initial, well, that's not an alien. Well, it sure looks like an alien to me, and it's a little different. But it's an well, it's, <laughs> did you watch also, the movie? <laughs> to me, it also could depend. Like it, I don't think it was ever answered. Like it could also depend on not just the host organism, but who were the previous host host organisms for this uh line of xenomorphs like that's something that i don't think people really think about like they kind of just looked at it as a surface level thing and uh like again rule of cool like there's so many cool lore aspects and just cool aspects of this movie that like i'm willing to forgive a couple character actions or motivations that, that weren't the best choices for like I'm willing to forgive that for this awesome final product that we actually got. So, yeah. Anyway, what is your uh, next time I'll mention? <laughs> Down to our final two picks. Sure thing. I honestly, it's funny. Me. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I feel like I could keep going on about Prometheus, but uh, yeah, let's no, do, great let's, let's do a whole show on aliens, dude. Let's do that whole franchise just right now. Let's just stop everything we're doing. <laughs> step until two o'clock in the morning and just cover aliens. Um, anyway, uh, what's your next one for the night? So my next one for the night, I don't know if we've talked about this movie By in the, the podcast, way, I actually. I don't want to do an alien-only conversation, because let's seriously do that episode. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, so my next pick, I actually went with uh, The Babadook, which, uh, no. Drew, have you seen The Babadook before? No, I have not. Okay, so this is... A horror movie. I wish I looked up what year it came out, but I feel like it's like 2016 to 2018. Like it's pretty recent and it kind of falls into the sort of. I I guess like the new trend in horror is elevated horror. So you have stuff like Hereditary and Midsummer and The Witch and all these movies that are really scary, dark horror movies, but they're really trying to get um, they're really trying to have that sophisticated academic like deeper themes and meanings as opposed to just a movie about, you know, a slasher character running around and killing people. But I feel like the, the Babadook is one of the better um, horror movies within that genre that I, within that subgenre that I've seen. And it's, this is a movie that it's one of those things where you have this single mother and her son who are living alone in their house and they keep being haunted by the Babadook who is this sort of creature or phantom or something that keeps terrorizing them. And it's one of those things where when it comes to the characters in their movie, in the movie and their kind of real world problems they have, there's a lot of different theories about what the Babadook is. And it's one of those movies where you watch it and you can come to your own conclusion in a weird way. Like I've, looked up there's like multiple different 
ideas of what this movie is actually about. And it ranges from the Babadook being an actual ghost who's haunting them to it being more of uh, representing different psychological issues and stuff. And it's I have my own thoughts on what I think it is, but it's very interesting in that you can kind of come to your own conclusion and the movie lets you come to your own conclusion. And it's one of those movies that you'll watch and you'll either get it or you won't. But if you rewatch it, you start to pick up on all the little sort of hints at other at, you know, what actually might be going on. And I think it's really it's really interesting in that way. And I feel like it kind of sucks because I feel like I've already said too much about this film, but it's a really really cool movie. I definitely suggest it. It does fall in the line of not super gory, not really blood, not a lot of blood and guts, but genuinely scary and genuinely like a really good suspenseful story, which is personally what I really like. And then also the Babadook as a character design is awesome. Like he's super striking. He's got a really simple sort of like almost like really classic sort of a horror aesthetic, like a, I think it's like Midnight in London um, is like the classic horror character, if anybody's familiar with that, uh, that the Babadook kind of his silhouette and look kind of evokes that classic movie to me. But I think it's I think this movie is very smart in a lot of ways. And I think really it's all the reasons I just said, like, it's definitely a movie you got to watch multiple times. So there you go. <laughs> right on. Um, I have not watched it. I'm not saying you didn't sell me on it, but um, I will <laughs> probably eventually get to this because you're not the only person who's ever told me to check this movie out. So, um, nice. yeah. All right. So my next one for the night is the Lone Ranger, uh, the one that came out in 2013. Johnny oh, nice. Depp Hammer. Um, this movie really got it was I think this got kind of bad reviews and everything because people were I don't know what they were expecting when they went in. I think people were going in with in the mindset Johnny Depp production team from Pirates Gore Verbinski Pirates director can't wait to see what this is and I don't know what their expectations were. Um, <laughs> yes the movie was very over budget 250 million dollars to make a western um, but when you take into account this is a movie uh, where practical effects is massive, especially near the end of the film. It is a Western, um, but near the end of the movie, they have this crazy train sequence. It's like 10 to 15 minutes long, and it was all done practically, and it was all done on made sets. They had to build railroads to do this. Um, multiple trains, multiple tracks, crisscrossing, doing this whole thing. Huge um, production value in the end of the movie. And I'll tell you this, whether you like the movie or not, that end sequence with the train, like chase, um, is almost worth the price of admission by itself. Unbelievable action sequence. Um, however, the movie as a whole, the story's good. The acting is like on point. Gore Verbinski shoots this movie gorgeously. Um, there's a lot of good here that I think a lot of people overlooked. And I think, I think it got unfair. I would think it was given an unfair chance by a lot of people. Now, do I need it to be franchised? No. Do I need multiple sequels? No. But I think that it just got an unfair, um, 
uh, jump from the fan, from fans of Gore Verbinski's or Pirates or Johnny Depp or the internet just went nuts with it. But yeah, The Lone Ranger, everything, I do think everyone should recheck and visit this movie because it's actually a lot of fun and well-made movie. Um, yeah, that's it. Nice. I think, um, I think this is a good pick. This is one that I've actually, I feel like I have heard complaints about, but for the most part, like as far as people I know and stuff, when this movie comes up in, in conversation, I don't know that many haters of the movie. I feel like it just kind of didn't get the best reviews and it kind of fell under a lot of people's radars, which also, you know, makes it something that it makes it something worth pointing out and worth saying, yeah, yeah, check this one out in case you missed it or if you need to watch it again. But I think it's a, I think it's a solid adventure film. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's a good pick. And uh, right. yeah. Well, we're down to our last pick. Um, neither yes. one of us has said the title I have in my head right now. And I'm honestly kind of hoping you and I both match on this, um, even though I know we're going to be all across the board. So what is your final pick tonight? With that, with you saying that, I don't know if we're going to be close at all, but okay. I went with uh, I went with Man of Steel. Oh, um, we've yeah. talked about this movie so much on the podcast, so I don't want to go on too much. But when you want to talk about a divisive superhero film like, yes, Batman v Superman was divisive, but Man of Steel, like, I don't know if people remember how much hate this movie got and how. I remember this movie coming out and I thought it was like, I thought it was awesome. Like I loved the movie and like, I'm a big Superman fan. So, you know, I was at the theater multiple times to watch it, but not only that, like I was an extra in this movie. We've talked about this before, but in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I got to be an extra for two days on set and it, it was, was also, awesome. It was also filmed in both of our hometowns. Yeah. But I mean, like we both lived and where the, we filmed, like it's just, you know, there's there's a uh, during the Battle of Smallville, there's a split second where you can see me run across the uh, street right before Superman and Feora. And I think the other Kryptonian's name was uh, Namek before they duke it out. Like you see myself, I had like long hair and like a baseball shirt on, but you can see me run across the street for a split second. And it was a dream come th come true. It was so, so much fun. But the thing is, this is a movie that I thought was really good, and I saw it multiple times, and uh, I saw so many people complain about plot holes in the movie, and this was a movie that, with the amount of times I watched it, I could kind of, I really didn't feel like there was a lot of plot holes when you actually observe the movie and pay attention to the writing, and, um, you know, some some at some parts you kind of have to fill in the gaps yourself. Like it's not a movie that makes you be lazy. They don't come out and tell you everything. There's certain things where you kind of have to figure out what's going on. But as I watch the movie, like Are you telling someone to pay attention to a movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well it's, it's one of those things where all the plot holes I kept hearing people complain about. It was one of those things where watching the movie enough times I had re like arguments against every single plot hole that people complained about and it's like yeah well obviously this was happening that happening there you just didn't realize that and it was one of those things that it's just like i don't know this movie was so cool and it was so good and like people had so many complaints about how many people would have died during the battle of metropolis at the end but <clears throat> at the same time the theme for this episode is the rule of cool and this was such an awesome fight scene that we've like we've I feel like we've gotten similar things within like the Matrix trilogy, but I feel like we've never seen 
a like midair flying around bombastic battle like that on the big screen. And I was so stoked on it at the time. Like I just, I couldn't believe how many people were complaining about that scene. Cause it's like, yeah, like I get your point. Like there's probably a lot of casualties, but it was also so awesome. And Superman was literally at the time saving the entire world. <laughs> like people forget about that. That's another criticism this movie gets is Superman doesn't save enough people. And that's another okay. thing where I'm okay. like, did you watch the movie? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to bring that up because this movie, first off, this movie's fantastic. This is a fantastic pick for you to bring up. Yeah. Um, this, the Superman's, the, the big criticisms that really hit this movie in my, that I kept hearing was Superman doesn't save anybody. And I'm like, again, did you watch the movie? And I'm going to give examples. <laughs> and the destruction of Metropolis. Let mm-hmm. me just say this. You're going to complain about the destruction of Metropolis and the people who probably died during that battle, but you're not going to complain about Avengers 1 and the amount of people that probably yeah. died in the Battle of New York? Come on. Really? Anyway, um, yeah, they did. you did see them save some people in the movie Avengers uh, during the Battle of New York, but the amount of people that probably died from, like, giant alien floating eel things landing on buildings and, like, just the yeah. destruction in new york at the time like come on man don't be mad about one and then praise the other one um superman saving people in that movie as a kid he saved the kids in the bus and then as an adult he saved the guys in the oil rig and then he you know what i mean there were little bits here and there bit by bit by bit he saved more and more people he saved lois lane the first time he met her he uh, yeah like we said he saved all of Metropolis and uh, eventually, well, not yeah. He say he saved Smallville, Metropolis, the entire world when it eventually, comes to the, the end, but. <laughs> It's literally builds all the way up to the final ending of the movie when he has to save the entire planet, and people are like, "You didn't save anybody." Again, did you watch the movie? <laughs> yeah. Um, this is probably one of the best Superman movies, and I totally like such a great movie. And we don't have to go too much farther because of because we've talked about it heavily, but in a weird way, we kind of matched. Because my final pick of the night was Batman Superman. Awesome. So uh, I can say really quick before you go off on B- Batman v Superman. Sure. The reason I picked Man of Steel, because these both were like a tie for me. But Man of Steel was the first thing I thought of because I felt like this was the first DCEU film. And this set the tone for the rest of the films to come out after it. And I feel like this first installment was so misunderstood by a lot of people and that directly leads to people not liking Batman v Superman, for example, right. and stuff like and, that. So. And people, and again, you want to talk about Man of Steel not being uh, being misunderstood. Batman v Superman was misunderstood, and people they like whined and moaned about Ben Affleck until the trailer came out, and then they all shut up. Um, and then. You know, when you watch the movie, no one ever complains about Ben Affleck in the movie, but they complain about literally everything else. Um, they complain about the CGI with Doomsday. I'm going to tell you, the CGI from Doomsday, if you put Doomsday on a screen next to Thanos, Thanos is yeah. a cartoon character. So don't tell me the CG of Doomsday was bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a there's a give and take here. And I'm not trying to compare Marvel to DC. What I'm trying to do is say, don't praise, don't rip down one, praise another when it's the same problem. <laughs> um, the uh, people complain about Batman v Superman because they didn't like Lex Luthor. But if they paid attention, he's not Lex Luthor. He's Alexander Luthor, the son mm-hmm. of Lex Luthor. 
one, I'm a comic book person, so I knew that. And then when people complained about the fact that he had like his hair and all that stuff, I was like, well, he's not Lex Luthor. He's Alexander Luthor. And if you look at the comic books, he looks exactly like Alexander Luthor does in the comic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in dialogue that he's not the Lex that we know. He's the Lex we need now. Um, uh, his, um, his approach to the character of Lex Luthor was very modern day um, billionaire as opposed thank you. to thank you as opposed to old school billionaire like the Lex Luthor that a lot of people grew up with. So I actually in, in thought, a world I actually yeah, thought Jesse Eisenberg's performance was brilliant because of what he was doing. That's um, the thing is like in a world where we have you know you have your Mark Zuckerberg's and your Martin Scarellis and these sort of despised young albeit like in quotes more hip billionaires like I thought uh Jesse Iger Eisenberg's uh performance was so it felt so relevant to me it, it, and it, it was Silicon Valley billionaire yes and it yeah. felt so weird that people wanted him to be this like uh real estate mogul type that was maybe like the billionaire from yesteryear where I felt like he had this really relevant modern portrayal that I that I felt was really confusing why everybody hated the direction he played that out you know yeah I don't know I don't know um look all I can say is this we've died down we've seen Zack Snyder's Justice League so we all know where it was supposed to go seriously go watch Man of Steel Watch Batman v Superman. I I recommend you watch the director's cut, the ultimate edition, just because um, there's some extra scenes in there that are going to make you go, oh, um, and then watch Justice League again. And your brain is going to be fried and how and the and what they really did. I truly think that Batman versus Superman is a modern day Blade Runner. And if you don't get it now, you might never get it. <laughs> the level of understanding why it is being held on the pedestal it is um, kind of an important thing. So I just think people need to revisit this movie as a whole and take away from the prison. I also will say you're never like, look, Dark Knight's great. Probably the best Batman film ever. The Batman came out. Absolutely amazing movie. But that warehouse scene in Batman versus Superman, that is the most comic accurate fight scene you're ever going to get and probably one of the greatest Batman fight scenes you're ever going to see. So, yeah. Anyway, that's my piece on that. We yeah, absolutely. Oh, keep going. <laughs> we talk a lot about these movies, so I don't want to go too much yeah. on them. Just like, dude, revisit this movie. It's fantastic. I, I, I think this is a great one to point out. I think this is definitely one people need to rewatch. Um, just since we were talking about Lex Luthor, because I feel like there's another huge complaint that I hear about the movie where people say, well, I don't get what Lex Luthor's plan was. And I think, in my opinion, a lot of what Lex Luthor did was more reactionary than it was like a big plan he had out. Like, I think he wanted to take out both Batman and Superman and he was uh, kind of gain trying to gain as much power he could have. And like he wanted to get access to the Kryptonian ship because, of course, that that character what well, will not access to the Kryptonian ship. What what were you gonna say though? Well I was gonna say I don't think he, I don't think it was a I gotta take out Batman and Superman. I think it was a I need to I want access to what's going on over here, but Superman's a problem and I'm gonna prevent me from doing it. There's one guy 
who, if Superman wasn't around, would stop me. But he also, under, like, just the look of it, he'd be the one guy to take out Superman. So if I play yeah. against each other, they'll take out them, each other, and then I can go and swoop in and be the, you know, the guy with so, the alien tech and all that stuff and make myself So, rich. So that's exactly, that's, like, exactly what I was meaning. I was just putting it into very short words of he wanted to take them both out. But no, what you said is exactly what I what I meant. Um, but I was just saying, like, people people criticize the movie as if Lex Luthor had the plan to bring doomsday about from the beginning. And it's like, no, he learned he could do that once he had access to the Kryptonian ship. And he was like, Oh, this is kind of a cool, a cool piece of the puzzle that can fit into my plan. That wasn't necessarily his original plan, but it's something that he brought in and he's like, Oh, this can work really awesome for me. So I think that's, that's all I want to say is like, I think people don't realize that there's a give and take to Lex Luthor's plan in the movie. They think it's this like thing that's set in stone from the beginning that you're supposed to get. And I really don't think that's what it was. And I think that's not really how most things play out in real life. Like if you think of like real life, like wars or political conflicts and stuff, it's never like we have a plan and we're going to execute everything as it goes. It's more like we have this plan we're trying to do but things are going to change and we might have to give and take on our plan but we're still going to try to get to the place we're trying to go and i think that's just i think that's an unfair criticism that i just hear a lot from people so that's why i bring it up um the other the last thing i want to mention because i did think of batman v superman when you were talking about what inspired the list and people re-watching movies and saying hey that wasn't really that bad And I think this is a movie that I really think it's going to age a lot better than people realize. I think this is a movie that has a pretty fast pace. It doesn't waste time. There's a lot that happened that hits you really fast. And I think that's something that 10, 20 years from now, I think that fast pacing is actually going to be, I think it's going to age really well, essentially. Like if you watch classic movies, they, their pacing is a lot slower than modern movies. And I definitely think that's a a trend that's going to carry on into the future. And I think Batman V Superman might've been before it's time in a lot of ways. So sure. Sure. Well, we've talked way longer than I thought we were. (laughs) This was a really good discussion. So I'm glad I picked this list. What are we doing next week? Cause it's your pick. Yeah. So I was trying to think of a similar list, honestly, um, kind of like a weird, vague movie related thing. And this one's kind of weird. Uh, we've done we did a list that was our favorite end credit songs from film. And I kind of wanted to go the opposite direction. And uh, next week, I want to talk about our top five films that, you know, within the first 30 seconds. So we're talking opening oh, scene, opening shot, sometimes this title card. Sometimes it's just the music at the beginning of the film, but this is a movie that as soon as it's turned on, you know it immediately. You and mean that, like it, the kitchen doing something that comes on in the other room and I'm like, whoa, hey, Star Wars is on kind of thing? Yep, yep, oh. that sort of thing. Or it's even like sometimes the first couple shots of a movie, people don't know what it is, but maybe it's a movie you've seen and you've loved a million times and you just know what it is right away. Or maybe it's a movie you've only seen a couple times, but 
the opening is that distinct that you know it right away. So I thought that'd be a fun topic to talk about. Interesting. All right. This is going to be a weird list to put together, but I'll see what I can come up with for you. Oh, before... There's a reason I say that. So anyway. <laughs> uh, before we close this out, I do have to know uh, what inspired this week's list. Like what was the movie that somebody watched again and thought oh. it was better than they remembered? <laughs> it was the long, it was the Lone Ranger. Oh, and awesome. <laughs> It was literally, it was literally that the the title was, the title of the article was Lone Ranger Revisited. And I've, I liked the movie from the beginning, but as I was reading the article, I was like, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this would make a really cool list. Let's revisit. Let's, what movies would we revisit or suggest need to be revisited? And this is a movie that I totally think needs to be revisited. So that's what, that's what inspired the list all together. So, yeah. Anyway, um, Anyway, everybody, it's late and we've talked a lot longer than I expected. Um, so do us a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along to a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there or hit us up on our social media. Either way works. We are on Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We understand we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. I'm a little more active on my Instagram, but either way works. And uh, what about you, Peter? <laughs> well, I've been a little bit more active on Twitter lately, but it's really just been crap posting. Like I've been posting a lot of just really dumb jokes on there. Um, but you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be asking the question. Do you really need to catch them all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Um, and we're talking about Hot Wheels. <laughs> and <laughs> they, they, they said it was just a dollar a car. Okay. <laughs> Um, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.